Happy Halloween. Good morning and welcome to What Are You Into? I'm your host, Kelly Hudson. This is the show where we have open conversations about sex and have fun doing it. Um, You might be wondering why I'm saying good morning, and it's because I'm recording this intro the morning that I'm releasing this podcast. And that kind of leads into... Um, <clears throat> an announcement that I'm going to make. I just got diagnosed with ADHD. Um, I've had this problem for a really long time where um, I will completely forget about the intro recording and put it, well, I'll, I'll remember it, put it off forever, then completely forget about it. And then it'll be the night before I'm supposed to put the podcast out and I'm kind of panicking. I'm like, oh fuck. And I usually do it that night. Last night I decided I'm going to do it in the morning and put it out a little bit late and that's okay. Um, that's just one of the myriad ways in which ADHD has shown up in my life. And honestly, this diagnosis was just a couple weeks ago and it's changed my life because it's just sort of put a different lens on my entire life, including a lot of the failures and a lot of the shortcomings and a lot of the stresses. It could be the cause of most of my anxiety. I've had, I've been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder for a long time, and this seems to be the source of a lot of it. I can't I can't tell you how much it's changed my life to understand that I have this and just wanted to share it with you guys because it actually comes up in today's episode. I was in the middle of recording this episode with Jen Winston, the incredible um, outspoken bisexual who just put out an incredible book called Greedy Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants Too Much. We were in the middle of our interview and my mind went blank. And I said, uh, 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 I'm going to edit this out. And then we started talking about being ADD, which Jen also has that diagnosis. So it was an interesting moment and something I've had to cut out of episodes before. And I'll probably keep cutting it out, but I wanted to leave it in this time. So you kind of saw that in real time. And, you know, at that point, I was still waiting on my diagnosis and um, was kind of dreading not getting a diagnosis because then it would be like, well, then what's wrong with me? Um, So anyway, I have ADHD inattentive type. I don't have the hyperactive. I don't have the impulsive. I have inattentive type. So um, yeah, that's what's going on with me. That's, 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 I guess, going to be a big part of my life going forward is how to cope with this and how to handle the situations that keep coming up time and again. Anyway, this episode is a fantastic one. I have never gotten to just chat with a fellow bisexual about being bisexual for this long in my life. It was such a great conversation. We had so many cool tangents and I learned so much. We talked about why cis women don't want to date bi men. Why do we have binary gender and sexuality? Like, these are all things that are new-ish ideas. Um, So I just thought this was one of the best conversations I've ever had. Jen is incredible. And she sent me a copy of her book, and I'm loving it. I just feel 
so seen. (laughs) It's incredible. All right, guys, enjoy this week's episode. Have a happy Halloween if you celebrate. Uh, I'm dressing up as a happy ghost because my son assigned me with that costume, which it's actually pretty great to be assigned a costume. really takes the pressure off. I'm going to be doing a little partying this weekend. Um, You guys have fun, okay? And enjoy the episode. Welcome, Jen Winston, to What Are You Into? Thanks for being here. I'm so happy to be here. Yay! I've wanted you to be on the show for a while. I've been waiting patiently for your book to come out. I know, for me to have like a a chill day. And and now... (laughs) Honestly, you're getting me on like such a chill day. Like, uh, that's great. Before I am, before I was here, I was cleaning my closet, which I like literally, and my office, which I have not done in like at least nine. That's a sign (laughs) that you have like time. I know. I was like, this is like a luxury. It feels so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, I've wanted you to be on the show for a while because the second I saw the title of your imminent book that is now out. I was like, okay, this is this is me. It's Yay. yes. So the title is Greedy Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants Too Much. And I immediately identified I constantly feel like I want too much as a bisexual, especially Yay. as a partnered bisexual who's yep. like, give it to me, all of it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It is, I mean, I, well, I've, I've had a lot of conversations, like a lot of people have asked me if I've ever been called greedy, and the answer is no, but I know that it's like a common, like, yeah. slur, I guess, but it's like a, a stereotype that's like thrown out at, at bisexual people all the time. If I had named the book anything that like best aligns with like its ethos, it, it greedy like fits, but mm-hmm. uh, confused was another like one that I wish sounded better as a title. Um, just because that's another bisexual stereotype that I'm like super interested in reclaiming. Oh, completely. Um, Yeah. Confused. Oh, you're just experimenting. Yes. Um, You know, yeah, so many different things that have led to bisexuals feeling like an erased group Mm -hmm. (laughs) over the years. And just like a really sexualized one, honestly. Exactly. Yeah. All of us are whores. (laughs) We sure are. I mean, you know, it's I well, and that's actually kind of like the stance I take. Um, Mm -hmm. It was even with the title greedy, it was really hard to get that through like the publishing powers that be because they kept being like oh this sounds so negative and I was like oh that's like literally the point like I want everyone hates us and has yeah (laughs) and yeah exactly and um I I really like got super excited when I found the work of this bisexual activist named Shiri Eisner um Mm -hmm. who wrote they wrote oh they're amazing they wrote a book called uh by notes for a bisexual revolution which is quoted like yes profusely. i have heard of that book okay okay great. yeah i just didn't it's know like the author's when name. you search for like bisexual on amazon it's like that mm. and like a bunch of like porn fan fiction comes up <laughs> fun fun fact my book is number one on the bisexual studies like kindle list on amazon oh my god but well that is a dream it well it is a dream but the other things in that category it like means nothing because the other things in that category are so hilarious there's like there's like 
uh, end zone, like gay fan fiction. Like the ways that they name them are just like like search terms basically and so they're like 2.99 cent like kindle books like below me on the top wow but well yeah i'm honored yes it's cool because you know i guess you know bisexual studies is probably gonna take off at some point i mean (laughs) i i i should hope so but well anyway shiri eisner's work um was really disruptive for me because basically uh, their work pushes on these the bisexual stereotypes of like greedy and confused and says that like if we think that it's bad that bisexuals are greedy, that means we think it's wrong to be like sexually greedy. And so ultimately it's like about, you know, sex positivity by like reclaiming a bisexual identity is a little bit tied to sex positivity, which is like really like a light bulb went off for me then because I was like, that is my shit. Um, And I've always just wanted to write a sex memoir. So I was like, this is great. (laughs) So that's kind of what I I like wrote like a sex memoir theoretical That's perfect. Okay. So you would describe it as a sex memoir. I love it. I mean, on this podcast, I would. On other podcasts, (laughs) I would be like, this is a A group of an academic tome. Yeah. Um, But I mean, like the dedication of the book is to my parents who promised they wouldn't read this. Um, <laughs> and thankfully, they are keeping that promise. Yes, um, yes. I really don't want my parents to listen to this podcast. It's yeah. like, I've definitely mentioned it a little bit just because of By whatever name? logistical. No, no, no. Uh, and yeah. also, my podcast used to be called The Squirt, which I definitely didn't mention the yeah. name to them then. Yeah. But they were like, they, they definitely... There was at some point I was doing an interview and they were like, so what were you doing? And I was like, oh, an interview uh, with this person that does this. And they were like, interesting. For what? I was like, my podcast. They're like, your podcast? What's your podcast? Oh, gosh. Like, um, it's I talk about sex. So uh, bye. And then like ran. Yeah, ran away. that's yeah. like every like my parents would be like, you want us to help edit? Like and I would be like, no, one at one point I did. And it was mm. super awkward. I like needed help with this long essay, which is like the one essay in the book that deals with well one of two that deals with sexual assault and I was like oh god I really need their help like just fine and so then we had to have like a little conversation about it god I bet yeah I hope it was healing in some ways it it was I mean I guess weirdly I would have rather they read that than one of then one of the ones where I'm having like good sex I guess for some reason yeah. Or also rather read that than one that took place while I like lived under their roof. You know, yeah. there's like a bit of a difference, but it's it's definitely been weird. And then also like my partner's parents were like, "We want to read it," and I was like, "No, please, God, absolutely don't. <laughs> not. No, you're gonna so, know too much. It'll yeah, be all your fault. Like, <laughs> it's it's definitely weird though, because everyone's like, we're proud of you. Why? Yesterday, I did a Reddit AMA, and mm. um, one of my former bosses, Adventurous. Holy yeah, shit. It, well, it was super fun actually. That's I great. was like, well, it was on the r slash bisexual subreddit. Okay, okay. So it was like. <laughs> It wasn't like, you know, 
just Reddit. Reddit. Yeah. The Reddit, <laughs> yes. which is a terrifying place to go. Oof, but oof. yeah. Um, but one of my former bosses who's like super into Reddit, like, of course, this is where he decided to reach out. And he was like, Hi. hypothetically, if I was one of your former uh, coworkers would and I wanted to support you, would you recommend that I read it? And I was like, I don't know. You make your own choice. Yeah. Um, it's but, up yeah. to you. It's like, yeah, yeah. you're going to know some things. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely, I mean, it's very like tell all. Like mm-hmm. there is a chapter called True Life I Masturbate Wrong. And it's like that, like if, if I had ever thought about the fact that anyone was going to read that chapter, I don't think I could have written it. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've definitely I'm a writer, too. And I've written so many things that are just like, oh, God, well, this will go in a deep, dark hole and no one will ever see it. And just recently, I kind of pulled something out of that hole and I was like, this could be something. And it's I think it's so valuable to have that outlet to, Mm -hmm. you know, put something out there that you might never, ever want anyone to hear and then kind of realize like wow this could be very valuable for someone yeah. else to hear because yeah. no one would say this out loud like it usually for does reason. take like distance also. yeah exactly I think, yeah i think stephen king says that he puts when he's done writing i mean not presumably about the same things that we are writing about but when but I he's done he writing i me too oh man me too um but he he puts his manuscript in the drawer for six weeks and then like revisits it mm. and i mean that was like such a weird part of writing a book because i wrote this book super fast like it hasn't even been a full year since i got my book deal and it's like out now um which like and i That's was like incredible it was hell I can't imagine that. Yeah, it was it was a terrible decision. Like they they basically gave me two options. They were like, it could come out around by visibility day this year or by visibility day next year. And I was like, I don't want to wait. Like it feels so current and like, like important. And I was also like, I'm going to if you give me a year, I'm going to procrastinate forever. Mm. So I had three months to write the first draft, which was like ungodly and then did you have some of these essays already written like was this a compilation almost too i yeah i had some and i had written a proposal which was like a very big chunk tight like outline with like chunks of each essay and multiple sampled chapters so Mm -hmm. that was like a 90 page document um but then it yeah it was like it can't be bad at one point i said that to my agent i was like i don't want I might need more time because, like, I can't – I don't want it to be bad. And my agent was like, oh, if you care about it being good, we should have asked for more time. And I was like, of course I care <laughs> about it being good. What? So I just, like, like absolutely – Christ almighty. It, it was very bad for my mental health, like, and I'm my sure. relationship. Like, we're all still recovering. Oh, I um, But they would give it to me – like they gave it back to me at like the copy edited phase when you're like supposed to only have like very minor changes. Mm -hmm. And I like rewrote the entire book. I was like, this is terrible actually. So I like deleted this. I had like a massive FAQ at the beginning and I like deleted that. And I made 18,000 changes at that point. I like looked at the track changes and I was like, wow, I'm a nightmare. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it was a hellish process. 
Like, I, I mean, it's my, like, been my lifelong dream forever. So it feels like fucking amazing. But, yeah. oh, my God, it was horrible. <laughs> Such an undertaking on your own. I've I've written one book and I wrote it with two other people. And it was, like, a mm, comedy mm-hmm. book. It was, like, oh, but full of awesome. jokes. Yeah, yeah. No, and it was hard work, of course. But it was still just, like, let's go for a holiday weekend and write all day and, like, do drugs at night. And yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, that's how it should be. That's how yeah. the author process yeah. should be Let's, yeah a mine little was bit more chill yeah oh my god it was so like not glamorous like oh, i man. smelled so bad just for <laughs> for like several months my partner would just like like feed me and yeah. like give you soylent me. or whatever literally like yeah. through a straw in the door like yeah. I, it was it was absurd yeah wow that's amazing. Mm. Well, congratulations. That's Thank incredible. You. Thank you. What you said something earlier about greed um, made me think about, I've sort of started thinking about uh, the seven deadly sins recently, mm-hmm. because it seems like people have like agreed for years that all of these all stand up as like things that are like real mm. sins. And I just don't know if I agree with any of them anymore. Like at one point, I, I, it's the word "sin" is insane. Like, yeah, obviously, uh, yeah, yeah, that's not. You, it's not. Uh, you lost me at, at sin. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yes. No. Well, no, I, what no, I no. think I see sins as, or like the Ten Commandments, or whatever the hell. Like when I try to make sense of those things, I, I'm like, oh, these people were trying to make a list of things to make people's lives a little easier, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just don't do these things and you'll be fine. And it's like, but, you know, certain things are so ingrained in our nature and so many of us display these things um, for many different reasons. And I just think it's, I, I feel like it kind of this journey of sort of like putting these things out in the open and being like, mm-hmm. Hey guys, this isn't so bad to be greedy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is like something I'm owning. Um, mm-hmm. Something I've tried to like reclaim is being a slut because yeah. that was something I was called a lot in high school. And, you know, even as, as, as recent as a few years ago, I was like, I'm, I'm ready to shed that. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I was never a slut. And then just like last year, I was like, yes, I am. I am. I yeah. Am. <laughs> yeah. I love that also. That There's a part in my book that talks about the first time I was called a slut and mm-hmm. like how uh, I like didn't, even then I was like, wait, thank you. <laughs> I like took it as a compliment, but then I was like, wait, I'm not supposed to, but yeah. I like, but I like love it secretly. Very confusing. Yeah. And, and cause I, I think, I mean, I think there's something about bisexuality. Like I learned all these wild statistics while writing this book. Like the fact that bisexual women experience sexual assault at higher rates than gay women or lesbian women. Um, which like really blew my mind. And I was like, at first I was like, wait, why does bisexuality have anything to do with this? Yeah. I'm curious about that. Well, so I don't actually know for sure (laughs) because, well, because there's no, it's interesting with most, like at first I almost didn't, I was like, that's a coincidence. You know, I was like, "Mm." but then I realized that like when we are presented with statistics, like the LGBTQ plus youth population experiences, homelessness at a 
higher rate or whatever, which mm-hmm. is like a devastating statistic. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're presented with that, we don't get like we don't always get the why, but you can like infer the why. Yeah, you know, you can be like like uh, disenfranchised from different like communities. Like mm-hmm. just you can infer a variety of reasons why yeah. that uptick might exist. But with so I like went back to that statistic and I was like, okay, like gonna try to not be biphobic and try to be like, yes, bisexuality is a big enough deal to warrant this discrepancy. Why might why might there be that difference there? And I had to like look at my own life and I was like, oh, I put myself in a lot of really vulnerable sexual scenarios um, because yeah, it's because I wanted to like figure something out about myself and I like didn't know where oh, yeah. I was I looking this, for it. This yeah. indescribable drive and energy kind of pushing me mm-hmm. all the time at a really young age and it was, yeah, terrifying. When I think back on that, I, you know, I've gone through periods in my life where I'm like, how could I have done that? Like, you know, yeah, from now, totally. now that I'm a parent and now I'm in my late 30s, I'm sort of like, how could you do that to that poor girl? You know, yeah. I'm like mad at myself. And it's like, no, 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 you were the girl. <laughs> yeah. And and it was always this like, I want to, but do I want to? Or like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I read this really amazing book. It came out like, like after my book was copy edited and so then I like added a bunch of like footnotes in from it um or one I think but I was so happy that I got to read it it was called um tomorrow sex will be good again and it's like it's like even the title is just like so poignant but um it's basically about this sentiment that like consent isn't enough for good sex um which is like it's sort of like a, a radical stance on consent politics that's like we actually have to go one step further and like value pleasure and value desire and like like aim for those things so that like we can go beyond just like did you say yes because in a lot of scenarios like you know being we don't even know what we want as like as people because we have and placed no value on pleasure in fact we <laughs> talk shit about people that place value on pleasure yeah exactly but they're just selfish there's that word <laughs> greedy <laughs> yes. yes greedy yes. like yeah you don't care about anything real if you want to feel good um, totally and yeah and it, and it's like it's become so associated with like you know discretion and I think something I learned from reading about all the bi theory is that bisexuality you know like a lot of people are like bisexuality is binary bi means two um, but ultimately, like what it well, for one, that's not how I define bisexuality as being attracted to more than one gender. That's Same. like consistent with the history of the bisexual movement. Um, yeah. But um, it also just like bisexuality in general is kind of like a, a lens. I, I now see it as a lens for like breaking down all binaries and like like finding a space between in all these different areas. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was really, like, exciting and liberating for me. Um, but I I kind of, like, try to think of sex that way, too. Like, part of the reason I didn't want to come out as bi is because I didn't want to, like, tell my coworkers or my parents. Like, literally the people, the same people I'm worried about 
reading this book. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's because of the, like, bisexual has, like, the word sex in it. And it, like, mm-hmm. you know, it was going to, like, imply that I wanted to have threesomes all the time, which was, like, literally what I was doing, like, at the time. <laughs> same, so same, it's, yeah, like, yeah. exactly. So I, I always <laughs> felt like. some truth to your suspicions, folks. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't want to give any, I didn't want to, like, prove anybody right, God forbid. So um i just like kept it a secret and then also there's an interesting thing with threesomes um where threesomes are like seen as like a bisexual thing you know like oh all bisexual people love having threesomes but at the same time if you like having threesomes you're not really like allowed to it 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 doesn't immediately communicate that you're bisexual for there's this reverse like it's used against us and we don't get to reclaim it in a very interesting way. Um, yeah, it seems to be dominated by straight men in my experience. This mm-hmm. demand, this demand for a threesome. Yeah, and I think a, a, another thing I learned from Sherry Eisner, um, a lot of that has to do with porn and the way it's like portrayed in porn um, because Sherry's book talks about this like wild phenomenon that uh, when a threesome when you search for bisexual uh when you search the category bisexual on like Pornhub you all you get is uh MMF threesomes I guess for lack of a better term but MMF really yeah because it's because the search term is oriented around the male gaze and so when you search for like lesbian porn you may encounter like a FFM threesome. Okay. Um, Which is insane. Absurd. It's it's (laughs) absurd. But it's so interesting to think that like all porn is like written through the male. Like even the like search terms are like written through the male gaze. And so then that's like how we think about it. And yeah, it's really interesting, especially if you think of the way that like bisexual men are marginalized also like totally. in that that context we but, were led to believe they completely didn't exist i know who knew like, they exist i'm yeah shocked. i know <laughs> I, I i'm still yeah. like just thrilled and titillated when i meet a bisexual guy I'm oh like, i know oh, wow. but i think it i do think that's like i think there is like a uh bi for bi I mean the more I say that I'm like that that's how I identify is like bi for bi like that's my preference I guess um the more like my whole life makes sense to me because like um in the book I talk about there's an essay um it's called bisexuality in men a retrospective and it's about it's like told through an email exchange with my now best friend one of my best friends but um uh, then X and we dated and it was really like bo- for us both to like figure out our bisexuality mm. and um, it, it kind of is like intent on exploring like the difference in, in stigmas and stuff like that um, but the weirdest thing for me about that was I didn't realize that we were in a queer relationship because we were both bi and yeah. it, it literally was until I was like writing those emails uh, that I was like whoa <laughs> yeah that's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I have one more like ridiculous party fact about bisexual yes. men that I Oh like, my God, yes. My, the other day my partner and I went to a wedding and I like told this. I like was, every time my partner would come back, I'd be telling this fact to a different group of people. Um, but so if you um, – uh, so bisexual men are like uh, statistically 
uh, cisgender women like don't want to date bisexual men. Like it, it's <laughs> like a statistical non-preference or Fucking preference insane. against, yeah. which is insane, especially <laughs> because um, when you like go or Pornhub released a study um, that said that over 50 percent of their gay male porn views came from women. So it it means, yes, exactly. So it means that there's this like, it means it's all stigma, essentially. Exactly. And like, and the stigma is so wrapped up in like patriarchy and like bullshit that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, insecurity, jealousy, judgment, all these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of girlfriends over the years who not only watch gay porn, but then also, are telling me like no I would never date a bisexual guy and it's like what are you basing this off of yeah like, what do you think's gonna also, happen? also I just like wholly don't understand it like it's that... really upsetting to me yeah and and it, when I like look stupid? back at the best sexual encounters like of mm-hmm. my life with men mm-hmm. they like m- most of them were at least like hadn't ruled it out you know like yeah. I, it was it like and and I do think there's this issue. I should I should address it because I did not. I don't think I addressed this as well as I could have in my in my book. Um, but there's like an issue with bisexual men being fetishized. Um, but like yes, for sure, it's you know it it's I I was talking about this on the two bi guys podcast mm-hmm. and um, Rob, one of the bi guys, was like fetishize us, please. <laughs> um, and I think there's this like bizarre yeah, thing. I want to be fetishized. Honestly. I know, same. And yeah. I I think for a while that was like what my bisexuality was was like mm. being fetishized and enjoying it. Oh and yeah, for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. It's totally. I lost my train of thought. I was just gonna ask about something in particular. I'm going to edit this out. <laughs> That's fine. That happens to me all the time because of my ADD. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I'm actually waiting on my diagnosis right now. I just got oh, wow. tested last week. Well, wait. Are you a Libra also? <laughs> I'm a Pisces, actually. Ah, because um, bisexual Libras with ADHD are like a thing. And okay. it's like all three types of indecision. Maybe I'm going to include this whole part yeah. in the podcast now. You, you Maybe you should. Maybe you should. It's I relevant. Should. Shout but out, guys. I think wow. there's – I'm waiting for someone to do a study on bisexuality and, and ADHD. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I'm, I forgot what my tangent was going to be. But, yes, I, I think on the on the whole fetishization thing, that that's such an interesting territory. Um I think I have like a a fetish around um, women dressed in, I mean, men dressed in drag. Um, Um, mm -hmm. And, and it's hard. It's hard. And it's also hard because like none of those people would ever fuck me. Well, they might, they might. I actually fielded a question in the, the AMA I did yesterday that was someone who said like, they like present masculine they were assigned male at birth this is like Mm -hmm. how they identified um and they said that they're gender fluid and often dress femme or they Mm -hmm. they didn't say they present masculine they said they present as a man Mm -hmm. um but then they said no one will date me like help and i was like well this is fucked up it and it is because i think it goes with the bisexual men stereotype but honestly like I have been doing some like work on myself in terms of like unpacking my my preference, you yes. know, and is like my quote unquote preference like tied up with these social issues, right? And 
Um, the the tangent I was going to go on was, yeah. I just remembered, it was that how sexism is so wrapped up in all of this, mm-hmm. that people, women have all of this internalized sexism um, towards femininity, and when they see it in a man, it's, it's, it's homophobia and... And sexism sort of wrapped into two, like in a little package. And it's just like, I'm not supposed to like a guy that wants to fuck other guys. It's like, but why? Yeah. Like really get to the root of it. Is it just because you do not value femininity in men because of your internalized sexism? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I think that's exactly it. And another thing that Sherry Eisner points out I keep like looking up. It probably looks like I'm looking toward God. like the heavens, but, <laughs> she, but their book is like there. right above my head. But oh. <laughs> um, um, but another thing that they point out is that uh, indecision is seen as a feminine trait. And mm. so like as a bisexual man, your inability to like decide, decide. and conquer <laughs> is like feminine, which so is so funny. It's really, I think that one's super nuanced. Like, that's a, a thing about, like, gender roles I, did, I didn't even realize, but it's so yeah. true. Yeah, I've heard Dan Savage talk a lot about in the gay community as well how focus is put or, or value is placed on, you know, at one point femininity and then all the way in the other direction of, like, mask you know mask for mask masculine we want masculine Mm -hmm. and it's like okay this is a reflection of society and like how can we like swing back or or find a happy medium or actually inspect what it is we're actually attracted to here you know it's it's so interesting and i read i actually read a really interesting essay about that in lesbian culture because i was like reading up on femme invisibility for one of the chapters and like you know, um, femme invisibility combined with bi invisibility means you just like are very invisible in <laughs> queer spaces. Like very much, you're basically yeah. Harry Potter with the cloak. That's the only invisible reference I have. Um, <laughs> yes. But you're that. Um, but it, it's really interesting the ways that like in within the like queer uh, lesbian community specifically, there's this sort of like social hierarchy uh, that like ranks masculine uh presenting people slightly higher although that's not to say that like butch people uh like don't experience like different levels of oppression outside of that community but within the community it's more of like a yeah a right to be there which is super interesting and I, i learned about this other concept called homo normativity um, oh my which, god! Yeah, I know it's a fantastic word. Um, you can guess what it means. Yeah, it basically yes. means when when like queer fights for liberation like replicate fights that like homo or heteronormativity has had, and like gay marriage is a great example. It's like okay, is it is it really like you know liberation if we achieve? like get gay marriage legal Mm. no that's like assimilation to this society that like (laughs) thinks that marriage is like the the right like be all end all so i i found that really really interesting um yeah yeah i i i also at many points in my life i think there was a music video that came out that david bowie put out um that had a very androgynous um i think female identifying person in it uh that sort of was like bowie-esque um and then 
you know, I kind of realized in that moment, like, oh, God, I've always wanted to look like that. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's and it's this kind of desire to be less feminine, but also this desire to just be so thin that you're neither gender. (laughs) You know what I mean? Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, So I have another fat out of these thighs, the fat out of these hips, of these tits. And like, then I'll be, you know, this neutral. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because so when I was trying, when I was like thinking up the title, I was like, I should look up other like canonical references to Greedy. And so I bought the book um, like Little Miss Greedy by Roger Hargraves or whatever. Um, Like those little books that, you know, have the characters like Mr. Greedy. I bought both. Was it of them. like children's books? Or yeah, I yeah, the children's these. books. Okay, yeah. okay gotcha. They're not actually. There's no canon of greedy. That was okay, like a okay. bad joke. But <laughs> um, but I bought those, and they both are just like incredibly fat phobic. Like they're both like, yeah. like oh, little Miss Greedy ate all the food, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, like, but <sighs> so I I didn't really realize that the title greedy was gonna have those associations um until i read that book and so then once i realized that i was like oh i need to address that so that essay i mentioned true life and masturbate wrong is really weirdly about beauty politics but yes um, wow yeah that was i had a question that was sort of about wanting too much as a woman Um, and it reminded me just what you were saying right now and what we were talking about with our bodies and all that is I read a book that my nutritionist had recommended called Appetites, Why Women Want. And it's kind of about eating disorders Mm -hmm. mainly. And it was like, okay, this is, this is all tied together. Our societal oppression, um, is all tied together around eating Um, around having basic rights, around having sexual desires. It's all been suppressed Mm -hmm. so much. All of it. Like, it's all tied into these this little bundle. Wait, so that was like like a good book? I thought so. At the time, it was really... The title sounds problematic, but I'm glad to hear that. Appetites. Why women want. uh, Yeah, I was like, oh, God. But but if it's like... Well, it's confronting the Freud stance. Yeah, it's confronting okay. the Freud's question about why do women want? And it's like, mm-hmm. it's reframing it and it says, how does a woman know and then honor what it is she wants in a culture bent on shaping, defining, and controlling her desires? This is me mm. reading reading from the little summary No, but that's here. super cool. I think yeah. something that came up for me throughout the writing process is, and that I've had some people like share that they resonated with was like this question of like, who is defining me my like am I doing this because it's what I'm supposed to want even bisexuality I was like am I doing it because men like it yeah uh like am I it's pretty cool yeah (laughs) can I say I do get a lot of like raised eyebrows I know yeah yeah (laughs) I never well I never I never thought it was cool the other day somebody was like Oh, like they're sitting at the cool bisexuals table, or like yeah, I read that's that. very new. That's very I was new. like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, wow, the TikTok yeah. no, generation it was, is I okay. Th- I feel like being called bisexual in high school was like basically being told 
like someone was crazy. Yeah, they're bisexual, meaning yeah. they're insane. <laughs> like, yeah, they like, need to no be put in a loony like, bin. Proud, exactly. Like no one would be like proud about it. Um, yeah, not at and, all. And and I think that was honestly what Shiri's work did for me. The the quote that like really like changed everything for me was when Shiri said was talking about bisexual confusion. And said that uh, bisexuality can be thought of as a destabilizing agent for social change. And and I was like, whoa, like this is sick, actually. Like, yeah. and, and that was the first time I was like, that was while I was writing my proposal. I was like re-engaging with that book. And I was like, holy shit, I think that this is going to be better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So that was very exciting. Right. And on that thread do you think that non-binary has sort of stemmed from that like non thinking of gender as non-binary as well I mean or is it its own thing I think they've gone in tandem and I think that they work together Mm -hmm. um like now Mm -hmm. so now I identify as non-binary and I'm like getting more comfortable saying it Mm -hmm. um it's it still feels like kind of imposter. I feel like an imposter to say it because I present yeah. as like femme and, and I have that like privilege when I mm-hmm. walk about the world. Um, totally. Yeah. But um, and my partner uh, is a trans masked non-binary person who uses they them pronouns exclusively. Mm-hmm. And so like I de- I see what they fucking deal with with like their like I don't get dysphoric with my gender marker or anything. But like. <sighs> right. It's so it's so hard to be a different world because people don't have like the language for it. Like so often uh, like people I can tell that people don't even know that like they them pronouns like exist by the way that they like talk. And I think that for me what bisexuality really did was it like helped me see um I don't want to say like that third space, but it like helped me see that like more than binaries can exist. Right. Um, And that like that you can find stability outside of these boxes. And I was kind of applied that to gender. And I even applied it to the idea of like for a long time, I thought I wasn't like queer enough to be to like claim the label bisexual because I didn't think I had enough experience and like I thought yeah. that I needed it and a lot of people feel that way for sure. yeah for sure and um I and I also like kept trying to date women at the time and I was like every, everything was going poorly so I was like well I can't be bisexual because this is like too traumatic so <laughs> can't like have this happen um but like I realize now what was go- what was happening was like I was just having so many thoughts in my head when I was trying to like go on right. a like, nice date. Um, and uh, yeah, but but bisexuality, getting secure in my bisexuality really like paved the way for me to have those questions and conversations of gender. And something that's really cool is that while so that's kind of how my book ends. It's not like a spoiler, but it's kind of a spoiler. The, mm-hmm. It ends with like a, a chapter about gender um, and like my own unlearning around gender like very intently. Wow. And um, while I was writing that, I was like at the end of the first draft and I was like, I need to go on TikTok to like relax. And I saw like the first thing I saw was this. It was a meme that I have not been able to find since, but it was like uh, someone sitting in a room like thinking and above their head, it would be like me finally, finally having figured out 
that I'm bisexual and they like looked satisfied and then it would cut to them themselves like walking in the back door and it would be like my gender like question mark question mark and I like went to the sound and I was like oh my god this is a thing there were like tons of bisexual people who were like now that I figured out I'm bisexual what's my gender and I was like holy shit like this is actually part of the bisexual journey to yeah. like figure out yep. your sexuality and then be like wait everything is fake what else is fake <laughs> I, and- I'm completely yes I mean what else is fake uh, monogamous marriage um, mm-hmm. it's it's an assumption you know it's in our culture and gender is an assumption it's 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 crazy it's yeah I, I'm on the same journey of yeah. like trying to figure out what's happening and why why I have to check female and there's just so many parts there's so many parts of us so many yeah it's so weird that I mean it makes sense historically that like that's what they like confined it to but I mean and and like thinking about like the way that it happened like with like it being kind of a colonial onset like Mm -hmm. brought over by Columbus right himself uh right. you know his great <laughs> gift to us um wait but which part are you talking about are you talking about marriage or gender or gender what? gender like gotcha, um yes. with like the one this brought us gender i mean Love he it. well actually so i a while ago i had uh like i did i hosted a, a series of takeovers from uh indigenous people on my instagram and they were like the most interesting like takeovers that I've ever hosted. Um, but one of them was from someone who was uh, in the Taino tribe, um, which I believe was based in in like Haiti or uh, um, what is now Haiti. And uh, Christopher Columbus, it was the first place that Christopher Columbus went. Mm-hmm. And um, the person who did the takeover identifies as Two-Spirit um oh because God. you many... were making a joke okay no no I wasn't I literally wa- well I was wow. making a joke because it's not a gender's not a gift but right I was yeah, yeah, yeah. but, yeah, so but it that. is literally like Columbus An came over they were all culture. they were yeah. all two-spirit individuals and like Columbus was like how about we separate you based on your genitalia and everyone was like what, what? like it was so I mean like and and this person was saying like people don't know that like my tribe ex- still exists or two spirit people like exist within my tribe and like we are here like we're still here you know and so I thought that was really like really profound and it's just it even is. like gender is such a colonial idea Bo- all borders you know they all it all makes sense I feel like but yeah um, it, it's really yeah. wild to see as many people are sort of redefining their genders you see this buckling down of gender reveal parties and like these intense literal explosions of proclamation this baby will have a fucking vagina it's like she will be a girl it's like actually so disturbing (laughs) it is it is so disturbing when i was pregnant with my child i thought a lot about what if this child is born with something other than a penis or vagina like Mm -hmm. something is different about their genitals you know what's gonna happen what am I gonna have to face in that moment of having just given birth like 
if they're they come to me and they're like what do you want to do you know obviously my answer was like don't fucking touch them yeah (laughs) yeah my it's interesting my partner and I were like just talking about that like if we found out that our child was intersex like yes and yeah I mean it's like a huge intersex surgery is such a huge problem because the reason that they do it is because they're like oh well this child will be bullied yeah and it's like well what problems Yeah, yeah it's like it's like no you're the major problem like this is the pro- this is the problem yes so yeah that's yeah. super interesting I thought about it for some reason a lot I was like this might happen this I have to be prepared like what yeah. are you gonna do because I guess it's a higher percentage than you would think you yeah two percent and it's yeah it's invisible you know because it's sort of erased with a knife or whatever means they yeah do that with well wait imagine. okay here's another well Sorry, I don't know. I don't know how they actually do it. But um, here's yeah, another. I looked into it. I'm too scared. <laughs> here's a separate thing that is interesting about like intersex intersex identity um, that I also learned from Sherry Eisner. So next time you can have Sherry on the podcast. Um, oh my god. Yeah, but um, um, when bisexuality was like when the word was like first kind of used, it was like the late 1800s and it was a group of like white guy scientists and at this time they still thought that if you were gay if you were a gay man it meant that you were a woman in your brain um which is so interesting because it actually is like they were like kind of okay with the idea of being transgender yeah, um, but totally. they hadn't like, like separated. Yeah, that makes sense. You're just a woman in your brain. <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh, because it, it didn't occur to them that you couldn't be straight. Like, right, or, it, right. or it didn't occur to them that all those things weren't connected, like your sexuality, your gender, and your. And so for bisexuality, they thought that um, uh, bisexual people were essentially like intersex in their brains. And that yeah. was like their conception of like non binary or like kind of outside the binary. Um, but I just think that's so interesting that like the fight, like the fight to like end intersex justice has act is actually really entwined with by politics. It's like a bisexual fight. Totally. And I feel mm-hmm. like the thing, those, those things have go- gone hand in hand for me. Like, I feel like as a little kid, someone had said that like Jamie Lee Curtis was intersex <laughs> mm-hmm. or that Mine she was had a Ciara. penis. Did you hear that Ciara. about Ciara? Oh, there. Mm-hmm. Yes, there was. Yes. And and then, you know, there's just an assumption that, oh, then they must also be bisexual. Like just that mm-hmm. that kind of went along. It was like, well, obviously they're not straight, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, that kind of went hand in hand with that rumor, you know? Yeah. Whether it's it interesting. So I it's didn't lasted. know that about Jamie Lee Curtis. One of my my friends. I don't know if fiance it's true, is like obsessed with Jamie Lee Curtis. So like I like can't wait to yeah. re- report this. But I, I wonder. I have how, no clue. I've not looked into it at all. Well, but still, I wonder how that rumor like impacted Jamie Lee Curtis's like gender presentation. Because for a very long time, like Jamie Lee Curtis has had has like publicly been like a straight woman but has had this like like a you know a pixie cut like a stereotypically like slightly masculine yeah yeah uh aesthetic and i'm that's very interesting yeah that is interesting hmm wow so i guess i wanted Mm -hmm. to ask um about so you are partnered i was wondering 
what this is like to obviously put writing a book puts a strain on your relationship. Mm-hmm. But what is being bisexual and greedy like in your relationship? Does that put pressure on your relationship as well? Um, I mean, I'm pretty monogamous. <laughs> like we're we're very monogamous right now. Yeah. Um, we have talked about the fact that that like will probably change at some point, and it will probably. Like, our bisexuality, we're both bisexual. Um, Our bisexuality will probably, like, inform, Mm -hmm. like, the way that that manifests somehow. I think we're both, like, fine. Like, if my partner, like, was like, I'm dating someone who looks just like you, I'd be like, stop. (laughs) Um, But I think that (laughs) if, uh, like, I think we're both more comfortable with the idea of, like, non-monogamy in in terms of like exploring different things um yeah yeah it is interesting that bisexuality is kind of the catalyst for opening a relationship a lot of times but Mm -hmm. honestly well go ahead well let let me just build on that because i just recently like asked did a question sticker um and i wrote a newsletter i have a newsletter called the bi-monthly and Mm -hmm. i subscribe everyone (laughs) yeah subscribe and um i did an issue about like Uh, bisexual people in straight presenting relationships or relationships that like appear straight Mm -hmm. and um it was super interesting to see that a lot of people in their relationships I mean this is super common they equated bisexuality with monogamy or with if they were if they were bisexual and they hadn't come out they were sort of like why would I bring this up unless I want to like act on it exactly and I think that's like a huge misconception about bisexuality because it means we're just equating we're calling bisexuality a behavior rather than an identity exactly yeah like really the reason to come out as bisexual is like because it'll make you like because it feels good to like be openly who you are and like sometimes we like to you know claim labels and um it makes you you feel more understood as a person and exactly and rather once than I, just be yeah. like oh I have to legitimize this by also you know fucking uh, fucking both genders equally <laughs> yeah all all genders being attracted yes. to all genders equally you know it's just yeah. like come on no <laughs> yeah like who has who has the time <laughs> and I think for me for me a big like hurdle in my queer journey was like by the time I like officially came out I was 30 it wasn't very long ago it was 2019 um and I was like so tired I was like do I really have to like repeat my 20s and like go to these parties and like flirt like oh my god and so I like couldn't embed myself in the New York lesbian scene the way that I wanted um right yeah yeah I definitely couldn't either I when I was in New York and dating women I was in a relationship um that was open, but open sloppily, like a real sloppy yeah. in your 20s. Oh, <laughs> no I'm reading a great book that I would love to plug about that right now, actually, um, about like an open relationship done poorly. Uh-huh. Um, it's called Open, and it's by Rachel Krantz. It, it's okay. not out yet. Humble Is it brag. fiction? Um, no, it's a memoir. It's a memoir. Okay. and it's But it's really interesting the way that she wrote it. She like very heavily documented everything, like took like voice recorded everything. So everything is – it's basically like – Oh my god! Expert reporting. Yeah, I love so that. Good. Yeah, yeah, it comes out in January. 
Totally. Yeah. So at that point, I was doing it really badly. I suddenly had like two boyfriends and two girlfriends, which mm-hmm. if anyone's ever done that. Like, you're like on one of the sitcom episodes where you're like, I'll be right back. And then yes, you're like, exactly. how's dinner? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's and then how I, was I always also, envision it. And I was also like an improv comedian on three uh, different indie teams. And then like, you know, also I was a temp worker and it was so funny. Yeah. It was so funny how busy I was. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, my God. Like a yeah. high powered <laughs> businessman. But wait, like in relationship. Yeah. You have like eight phones. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's so funny. And it was sloppy. And I also I didn't I didn't ever get to feel like I was like embedding the lesbian scene at all in in New York. I I got to like go to a select few parties and yeah, same. It, yeah, it was never... And but every time I did I was like I don't like this at all. And then yeah. I was like I guess I'm straight like cuz this is it. And I think that was a huge issue for me. Like I mm-hmm. I just felt so much like the spaces and the experiences were supposed to like dictate how I felt inside and they just Yeah didn't align. The culture can be very specific sometimes. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, this isn't really, I don't know if these are my people, but this is just one group, you know? And it's like... Totally. Yeah. And and also, like, I didn't, I mean, now it's, like, funny because, like, all my friends are queer. Like, Mm -hmm. almost, Mm -hmm. like, every single one of them. And I, it's actually been like that, but I didn't notice, I guess. Like, I was just sort of, like, oh, I like these people, you know? And yeah, it, it's it, part of it. Part of the reason I was like, well, I don't know how I'm going to like do this. I I really didn't want to like give up my friends because I had I had like created this like chosen family, I guess. Um, it feels weird to say that as a bisexual person with like a very like comfortable upbringing who like didn't, you know, I didn't like require this. Oh yeah, um, totally. But no. it was, yeah. I'm but in it the was same so, boat of having yeah. my family that, you know, my blood family or whatever, but also having chosen family. It's, it's been really important. I mean, our blood family isn't enough. Sorry. No, <laughs> like... yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, that's not to say that like blood. We get to be greedy. Shouldn't... Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, mm, it's not awesome. to say that blood family like shouldn't support you or that you don't need both because I totally do, think you do. You need all of it. Like we need villages. Like we need padding. Like lots of support. Yeah. Like that was that was another thing I found out as a mom was like, oh, I'm completely on my own, and this is absolutely not what it's supposed to be like. Like yeah. this is this feels bad this feels wrong to be all by myself dealing with breastfeeding this child and like I might not have enough milk well okay I guess you're supplementing and it's like well this could be different I could have my sister my best friend my sister-in-law um yeah my cousin whoever whoever has tits full of milk like they could take over and that's how it was done that was how babies didn't start you know it's crazy yeah And I do think that's, like, the whole, like, it takes a village thing is, like, actually, like, quite a queer idea. Um, Mm -hmm. The the other day, I was talking to a queer woman um, whose uh, daughter, who's also queer daughter, which is great, um, Mm -hmm. just went to, like, away to college. So she's, like, 18. Um, But we were talking, I was, like, 
talking about what I'm waiting for to like have children. And I was like, you know, I, I just talked to someone else who said that before they had kids, they had like a really good year because they like knew they were going to have kids. And then my, the queer woman I was talking to was like, what is that bullshit? It sounds like your life is over. <laughs> yes, and exactly. I was like, oh, I before guess I those are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but honestly, that's how I've been thinking of it. So it was good to hear that. And yeah. then, and then um, the queer woman I was talking to was like, uh, when I first had my daughter, I like would bring her, we were at a birthday party and she was like, I would bring her to like events like this and like wrap her in blankets and like put her on the floor. And like, mm-hmm. then everyone else would take care of her. If I had to go on a date, like someone else would take care of her, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. I thought that was like, so interesting that it was just like always a, I know. always a truth. I love um, that idea. And I still like dream about it. A dream of like a commu- commune yeah. situation. That yeah. isn't shitty. You know? Even I will say, so I like most of my friends are queer. The ones who identify as straight all live in like group communes. Wow. <laughs> so they're like queer in terms of like different than like society's yeah. norms. Yeah. So, yeah. Totally. I feel pretty. I'm pretty proud of all, of all the people in my life making that assumption. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say earlier about, um, I feel like open relationships, a lot of times the catalyst is one person. I guess usually you hear about the woman, the female in these heterosexual relationships opening up um, because this woman wants to be, you know, experiment with. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's so interesting that that's the catalyst and like it's seen as a legitimate catalyst to some people and I'm, this is very like straight culture here that I'm talking about, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, just needing something different because your partner can't give you everything you need. Yeah. Is totally legitimate, you know? Totally. I it's, mean, no matter who you're sleeping with, I feel like that is very valid. In fact, we've been like talking about like, do we open things up? Because I've been so fucking busy for the last three months with this book. And like, yeah, your uh, partner needs some my, uh, yeah, and tender I'm loving like, care, baby. You know, if that makes sense, like, yeah. I don't, is your relationship open or are you? Uh, it's it's like, you know, we're tiptoeing. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's been it's been like something we've talked about for years and like negotiated and like opened and closed, slid it open, slid it closed. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's so hard. It's really, really hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm excited to because we both feel like strongly that we want to try it someday. Mm-hmm. I have like no desire to try it. I'm just so exhausted. But like oh, my God, partner yeah. deserves to like be. Yeah. Like, yeah. Get and that's another quality time. So that's another angle is that like you have to realize that like, OK, we're not be- going to be getting equal like attention from other people like it's just gonna yeah. happen how it happens people will yeah. get what they need when they need it you know yeah and that's definitely a weird thing in fact this might work out quite well for my partner because they were like they were like uh i want i want to open it but i want you to not <laughs> and i was like okay well that's not gonna work we'll have to talk about Double it standard huh um yeah yeah exactly but yeah. we um like, but now that's kind of like the scenario because the like audacity. I don't audacity. That is so I li- funny. No, I, I know they have no shame. Um, yeah. They were like, that's my ideal scenario. What can you do with that? And I was Please. like, absolutely nothing. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was like half a joke, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. the uh, <laughs> but yeah, it might work out. It, well, it might end up being how how it works out. Yeah, because I just like I 
I, I should not have accepted this book deal on this timeline. It was like such mm-hmm. a, a ridiculous. It, it's made me really confront my my own relationship to work. I have this book right next to me now. It's like a workbook. It's called How to Not Always Be Working. And <laughs> my it's husband, like, I think, is reading a book called Chain to the Desk. If you need another. Oh yeah, I'm working my recommendation. Way okay, good. Yeah, that's, that's been wow. life changing for him because yeah, yeah. He's and I in mean. That boat. I think a lot of people are like confronting this right now with like yeah. the great resignation. Of, and like, we're all every... home and it's like, oh no, my brain is in work mode constantly. There's it's no like so, physical yeah, divide. It's so complicated and hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, but... that's good. Another thing that I w- wanted to talk about, <laughs> I know me talking about the sed- seven deadly sins is very stupid. No, no. No, I like it. I just don't know them. I don't it's know like, any of them. I think other I than... just know them because of the movie Seven. Yeah, which like, I also haven't were seen. <laughs> killed. All these people were killed. Yeah. It was like, it's like wrath, which is anger, envy, which is jealousy, uh, lust, which is like horniness you know yeah yeah killed just killed gluttony Uh, that's the one i've seen how that one dies in the boy that's a rough one that's something you'll never not think about yeah Yeah. just fyi don't watch that part if you you can't you can't unthink about it yeah um but yeah the big one that has had me thinking a lot during you know opening up and all that stuff is um you know jealousy or envy it's it's such an interesting feeling um it's talked about a lot in the ethical slut which is something i read this year Mm. about how people people look at jealousy as like well this is this is a feeling so like that overtakes me so much that I would be like let off the hook if I murdered someone, <laughs> like mm-hmm. in a fit of jealousy. Like yeah. well, I was in a fit. It was jealousy. It led to me killing. a jealous rage. A yeah, jealous totally rage. And it's like it's such an interesting feeling because people, when you talk about opening up, they're like, "But what about jealousy?" I'm like, "Yeah, what about jealousy? It's a feeling that all of us have all the time, mm-hmm. and we deal with it. Like mm-hmm. just deal with it." It's not. Yeah. Wow. That's really it's it's hard to sit with, though, because we don't get a lot of practice sitting with it. And then there's been like, like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah. And and uh, yeah, it's that's so true. Um, I mean, I the the only thing I really know about polyamory, I guess, is the term compersion. Right. Which is like being happy for your partner's happiness. Yes. Which I get that. And I think I'm really same. I like I I get compersion. Same. I feel I feel like that was like an I was like oh cool like upon reading that concept but yeah um yeah but yeah the other side of the coin is like intense discontent and like I'm not okay and you're mean and (laughs) yeah and I'm gonna kill the person that's involved and you know it's so interesting yeah but that's yeah. so true. There's like no media representation of like someone being jealous and like working through it calmly. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah, working through it or not being like ridiculed or like not being violent. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. Such an yeah. interesting thing. That's really, I hadn't ever thought of it like that. I need to read mm-hmm. The Ethical Slut. Yeah. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. those people. Yeah. Well, 
it's been incredible having you on. I oh, feel like thank you. this is Yay, like this is fun. the most in-depth conversation I've had about bisexuality with another bisexual. So Yay. thanks for that. And I hope people enjoyed it as much as I did. Yay, um, same. So yeah, do you need to plug anything other than your book oh, that sure. we've already talked um, about? No, but <laughs> if you haven't ordered my book um, by the end of this podcast... Um, <laughs> You should order it. It's called Greedy Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants Too Much. Um, and you can follow me or you can subscribe to my newsletter, The Bi-Monthly. Um, and you can follow me uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Generous with a J. Perfect. Thank Yay. you so much for being on the Yay, show. Thank you. That was All lovely. Right. Yes. An audience keeps squirting. 